but I don't know if I can do it. Oh no, I've said too much. You remember that song? Yeah, what is that? Losing My Religion? Losing My Religion by R.A.M. Well, good morning. How are you? What's happening? I hope that this casting of pods finds you well. This is the Sneaky Emu, uh, episode number 102, that I believe we're going to call Losing My Religion. Yeah, Losing My Religion. I think this is going to be a good one. Um, the Sneaky Emu is a place where we went to discover the wonders of the world, the beauty of God that are ever before us, that sometimes we fail to see and occasionally overlook. Uh, how's it going? Mom, thanks for listening. I am so very glad you guys are here. Uh, in, in, in a quick, quick bit of updated news, uh, if you haven't got it already, my, my book is out. The uh, Life is Beautiful. Unless you grew up with a traditional view of God in the world, then you might not think it is, but maybe this book will help. Uh, a nice and hyper-concise title. Uh, maybe I'll put a link in the thing here. I don't know. But I'm starting to tell people about it. And by the time I think uh, this podcast will be, uh, the day that this podcast is released, I'm going to pop out a little video onto the the socials, the socials, social medias, and uh, let people know that I did a thing. And then we'll see how it goes from there. I don't, I don't know how to do all this stuff. Like I, I've created this thing and okay, now what? Uh, here you go, Facebook. Hey, I wrote a book. Anyways, um, so if you haven't got it already, check it out. Yeah, tell a friend about it. It's maybe something uh, good for all of us. You know what I'm saying? All right, so losing my <laughs> religion. I'm not actually, I'm not actually like losing my faith. And that was just a, hopefully a clever, cleverish type of title uh, to grab your attention. But it comes from this idea, and I've talked about this a few times, I believe, but I've been reading this book. It's called The Unbearable Wholeness of Being um, by a woman named Ilia DeLeo, who I have just been so fascinated with, so incredibly smart, uh, so incredibly deep really challenging uh, a lot of my thoughts and ideas and um, kind of kind of uh, maybe even doing some reshaping of uh, thoughts on God and the universe and what we're doing here and Jesus and all that stuff so it's been it's been really good it's been one of those um, one of those times of uh, I don't know what you call it like wrestling it's just a, a time of wrestling but in a positive and healthy way so I want to read you this thing that she wrote. It's a couple little paragraphs, but it's just talking about um, Jesus' view of religion. So if you've ever, if if you yourself have ever wrestled with the concept or idea of religion, or you know people who do, because when you think about so many people that object or push back or don't want anything to do with church or God, usually it's because of the religion that comes with it. It's a lot less about like uh, following Jesus, if you will, and a lot more about uh, how the followers of Jesus have created this institutional type thing through which then becomes this greater presence that is used um, to maybe like, uh, you know, maybe not for the best of things. So she's talking about this. Uh, she's, she's talking about the the story of Jesus with the woman at the well. And, and so then it's like, 
like kind of the summary and the moving forward of that parable. Okay, so stay with me here, a couple paragraphs, uh, because I think this opens us up to a lot of interesting discussion. In this, in, in his encounter with the woman at the well, Jesus broke three Jewish customs. First, he spoke to a woman, so that's a big no-no. Second, he she was a Samaritan woman, who that's even worse, a group the Jews traditionally despised. And third, he asked her to get him a drink of water, which would have made him ceremonially unclean from using her cup or jar. By the way, I think we've talked about this too, about how much the Jews hated the Samaritans. Like, it, was, it wasn't just a hatred. It was this deep loathing within their bones, right? Um, okay, so uh, uh, this shocked the woman at the well. But Jesus lived in unrestrained love inwardly free from laws and customs that hindered wholeness and community. Let me read that again, because that line alone is, is quite powerful. Jesus lived in, in unrestrained love, inwardly free from laws and customs that hindered wholeness and community. So this is something, this wasn't just like, no, I'm keeping up, I'm, I'm keeping up the show for the sake of the show. This was in his interior being, at his core, in his heart, in his soul, in his mind, he was free from the laws and customs that prevented unity, that prevented things from coming together. So any anytime you have the thought about why you may be uncomfortable around quote unquote them, yeah, he, he didn't carry any of that, if you've ever experienced that. Uh, it says, empowered by the Spirit, he did the unthinkable. He spoke with a Samaritan woman. Jesus emphasizes the priority of human values over conventional religious ones. He preached against religious alienation and challenged abstract religious laws. When some disciples complained that he was gathering food on the Sabbath, he said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, Mark 2.27. Jesus constantly opted for the human person against the claims of legalistic religion. Ooh. Now, what's interesting, I don't know if I should just finish this and come back to it, or finish this or come back to it, but there's, yeah, let's just, I mean, we're here. Let's just talk about it. So this line, Jesus consistently opted for human persons against the claim of legalistic religion. So this, this line is interesting to me because I've been working on my Christmas uh, sermons and in this week I'm actually, I think when this comes out, it'll be behind us, but it doesn't matter to you. Um, we're looking at some of the story of like the, the actual birth story of Jesus. I know, right? Weird Christmas. We're going to look at the birth story of Jesus, but we're looking at it from a different angle, which I think makes it a bit interesting. But then, uh, so what you see in the beginning when Joseph... Uh, finds out she's pregnant, uh, finds out Mary is pregnant, it says, there's this interesting line that says, uh, Joseph uh, was faithful to the law, and yet he had in mind to publicly uh, dis divorce her. So that, uh, I'm, I'm messing it up, but let me, uh, let me read the actual line. <laughs> that might help you to see it. I thought I had it just in my head. Um, Okay, okay, Matthew chapter 1, 
Oh, that's Mark. That's John. Not even the right one. Anyways, it says basically um, that he was a, a man faithful to the law, but because he didn't want her to want to expose her to public disgrace, he was thinking like maybe I'll just divorce her quietly. Now, why this is interesting is because according to the law in Leviticus, I think twenty and Deuteronomy, Leviticus ten and Deuteronomy twenty, it says that anyone who's accused of committing anyone who commits adultery should be put to death. Like it's it's the law is pretty clear about what action should take place. So here Joseph finds out that his sweetie, his engaged person, his girlfriend about to be married. There, there's a lot of marriage customs and laws that uh, I don't want to get into, but um, that basically if, if, and, and at this point he doesn't know uh, like the rest of the story. It just says he found out she was pregnant. And so he finds this out. Well, according to the law and the customs of the day, if he is faithful to the law, this quote-unquote sin should be exposed, which means now not only is she publicly disgraced, but now she is probably going to die. So Joseph, although he is faithful to the law, he opts for a, a, higher, um, a higher thing, a, a higher law, almost like this says here. Jesus consistently opted for the human person against the claims of legalistic religion. So that's what we see the earthly father of Jesus doing in the birth story of Jesus. He opted for the human person. He chose to try to maintain the dignity and honor of this young teenage pregnant girl uh, before he found out that this baby was like the Messiah. Right, which is which is kind of interesting because uh, it means that the the story of Jesus essentially starts with um, the father of Jesus breaking the law of Jesus, that is God, who gave the law. So <laughs> it's it's almost it's almost so ironic uh, that it completely undermines. It makes me question why there's any sort of legalistic thinking within religion at all. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, it's kind of my, like how did so many Christians become so legalistic in their understanding of of the Word of God, right? And you've, you maybe you've heard people say like, well, God says it. Uh, that you know, uh, I believe it. That settles it. Or you know, I've heard people talk about um, you know, just keep it simple. Just do what the Word says. Just do what the Bible says. Okay, well, if you do that, then it's actually going to become really, really legalistic. Uh, and what we see is that Joseph, the earthly father of the Messiah, actually doesn't do that. Because if he did, you know, like, uh, what would have happened to Mary and subsequently Jesus? So even in the beginning of the story of Jesus, he, uh, the father of Jesus, is taking this, uh, is 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 taking this higher road of the human person over the legalistic religion. Okay, so let's continue on in the book. When he had chose to, when he had to choose between the good of a suffering human person, wait, what? When he had to choose between the good of a suffering human person, such as healing the blind man with mud, um and the claims of formal and established legalism, 
he chose the human person. Uh, so it ha she has a print parentheses in here, you know, such as healing the blind with blind man with mud, go wash in the pool of shalom, versus the classic the claims of a formal. My words are not working. It's like my, <laughs> it's like my lips are just a few seconds behind my brain. Um, and the claims of formal and established legalism. Uh, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. He chose the human person, John 9, 1 through 41. Throughout the New Testament, we see the explicit contrast between the mere interior religiosity that is fixed to law and abstract ideas and the love that makes whole, uniting humans to humans and humans to God. The self-righteous Pharisees were continuously testing Jesus. Are we too blind? They asked Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you, you can see, your guilt remains. Jesus ushered in not a new religion, but a new humanism. That, that's why I wanted to call this losing my religion. Jesus ushers in not a new religion, but a new humanism. God is love, not infinite power. Thomas Merton points out that God gives himself to us without reservation, in love becoming one of us. Love is the creative secret of God, the hidden mystery manifest in all active and active in all aspects of life, but especially in the human persons. He writes, this is Thomas Merton, Christianity does not teach man to attain an inner ideal of divine tranquility and stoic quiet by abstracting himself from the material things. It teaches him to give himself to his brother and to his world in in a service of love in which God will manifest his creative power through men on earth. Jesus was a whole maker. I love that line. Jesus was a whole maker, bringing together those who were divided, separate, or left out of the whole. He initiated a new way of Catholicity, Catholicity, what? Uh, Catholicity. Sure. A gathering together of persons in love. By the way, Catholic, the word Catholic actually means like universal. We might talk about that next week because after we lose our religion, we might become Catholic. <laughs> if we understand uh, these terms properly. It, he initiated, an, okay, we got that. Um, at the end of his life, he prayed that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. And you are in me, uh, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. He gathered together what was divided and confronted systems that diminished, marginalized, or excluded human persons. He challenged others, not by argument or attack. Oh, that's interesting. He challenged others by argument, not by argument or attack, but out of a deep center of love. Um, yeah, how many times do we think that we're going to change people's behaviors, minds, or actions by arguing them into a better way. It's like, I'm not sure, I'm not sure I've ever been argued or attacked into a new way of thinking. Maybe it's just my personality. Maybe some people like that. But for me personally, you know, it's like you'd rather be led somewhere. Like you'd rather be drawn into a new way of thinking uh, rather than like beaten into a new way of thinking. I'd rather live in such a way that my life uh, encourages or inspires people to live uh, to, to live better than to go around and point the finger 
and try to continue to fight or to berate others into living a particular way. Right? I, I'd like to live, if, if you've ever, and you may have even experienced this, where you've seen people um, living a particular kind of life and you go, oh, I, 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 I want that. I, I want to do that. Like I've seen a few guys um, that are like big time runners and I've seen how they eat, how they, how they live, their, their scheduling of their lives. Guys that I don't know, you know, guys I've read about or studied or listened to, whatever. And they, they didn't go, you have to do this or else. What they did was go, here's, here's what I'm doing. Here's the results. And uh, if you do these things, this, this is where you will end up. And so it's, 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 a much, um, it's a much gentler, more loving way to invite people into a better way to live. So um, let's see. Keep going. I'm, I'm getting distracted. Uh, okay. Jesus said, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Faith in Christ should move us to be loving and free, to create new holes, W-H-O-L-E-S, and in doing so, to create a new future for the human person, for society, and for the whole earthly community. So when you live in this mindset, when you move beyond religion and take this higher, this higher path that is the elevation of the human person, that is essentially this new humanism, you put love of others above the love of religion, uh, it actually leads to this, this greater picture of wholeness. It leads to essentially what is shalom, which is what we see in the picture of the story of creation. This picture of shalom, of this wholeness, this unity, this completeness, this fulfillment, that there is the proper relationship with God, with the self, with others, and with creation. So it's really interesting. Um, and, and of course, you know, like, okay, great. Like take the high road, love your neighbor as yourself, all these things like live and work in such a way that you are attempting to overcome division in such a way that, that you are inviting the marginalized into, in, into the wholeness that you are, that you are not trying to continually attack others, but rather you are living from this deep center of love that invites people to step into it as well. So that everywhere you go, you're creating this new sense of wholeness. But the question then becomes like, <clears throat> what about when you try and it doesn't work? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I love this concept and idea. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the whole thing should be moving us forward to a greater sense of wholeness. That's how, that's how everything in the universe works. And I, and I believe we've talked about this, this idea about how like, the material world uh, exists. And yeah, I think it was just a couple weeks ago. I don't know. Time is time is bendy, um, and how like from the like the quantum particle level, like particles get together and they become atoms. Atoms get together and they become molecules. Molecules get together and and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. Right. So as each component, as each minor thing comes together, they retain the quality of themselves, but also they create something entirely new, which from a biblical perspective, when you talk about how Paul talks about like the church and stuff, like 
that, that this all lines up. It, it's all moving in the same direction. That the more we come together, the new thing, it, it's like this, uh, the emergence phenomenon. Um, and, and we've talked about, or I've used this in a sermon with the, uh, what is it, the starlings? And how the starlings flutter and they create these big murmurs and they're all moving in this beautiful pattern. And how one individual starling, starling? Yeah. Um, they, they don't, they can't figure out how they know how to do this. But there's something, there's this greater wholeness than the sum of the parts when it comes to these particular birds. And so they become this entity, this murmur, they call it, that is this emergence phenomenon that they create these beautiful patterns and swirling and moving in the sky. And nobody's really sure, like there is no leader. They're just working together to create this beautiful thing. So when you look at the, the, the Bible and it talks about like the church and the coming together in the body, and there's one part or the, there's one body with many parts, right? It's, it's all moving in, moving us in this direction that we become this greater, the, 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 the more we come together, the less division there is among us, the, the more we have this big, beautiful body that is capable of accomplishing great things. And like this says, one of those things should be working towards this idea of wholeness. Now, the problem, again, comes back to, okay, but um, does that mean we have to continue to, like, what, what happens when, when people are stuck in their religion? What, what happens when I lose my religion for the sake of growth and actually move into this idea of like this new humanist philosophy, which is essentially I'm elevating the love of God for others above the love of religion. And then others are stuck in religion. Others are stuck in uh, not wanting to move forward. Others are going to cling to this idea, cling to the things that breed separation. Well, I think, oh man, I had a verse. I had a verse. What was it? Okay, okay. Um, I think there is a a particular under. There's a particular response um, that that we can keep in mind that I believe helps with with these kind of thoughts. So. Because for as much as it's pushing us towards wholeness and oneness and overcoming division, there also is like some boundaries. There, there are some, there are some guides to it. It's not you're continuing to pursue wholeness at the expense of self. There's always so in Matthew chapter uh, ten, Jesus is sending out the seventy-two, and I think the disciples, and I think this is um, quite telling. Uh, as to like what the expectations are. And it's quite telling to this reality that although this is the better way to live, although this is the thing we're, we've been invited to, that not everyone wants to or will be a part of it. Okay, so he's sending out the 72, Matthew chapter 10, verse 11. He says, whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter their home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you 
or listen to your words. Leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Okay, so when I read this in light of our discussion, um, there are a few things that stand out to me. Okay, so you do your best. You, <laughs> there, there, there is, in fact, it says, if the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. And if it is not, let your peace return to you. So there is this idea of this willingness of spirit on the part of the others, on the part of not you. So you want to enter into a place, enter into relationships. When, when you're thinking about life and all the things that you have to deal with, you enter into these various situations and your first offering is to be peace, right? This, And I think we've talked about this before, but like, it's almost like peace is this, not just a concept or idea, but this tangible thing. Like you're bringing this energy, this spirit of, of peace, and you're, you're placing it in front of before on top of this person, this house, these people, whatever it is. But if they are not deserving, right? If, if they are not welcoming it, if they are not open to it, then that peace that you're offering will return to you. And here's the thing. I've seen different people in different situations where people are resistant to peace, are resistant to forgiveness, are resistant to uh, reconciliation. And so <laughs> when Jesus is telling these disciples to go and spread this word, like he's kind of acknowledging here that not everybody wants that. Even if they say they do, like they might not. Even, even if they're putting on the, the, the show of religion, it doesn't necessarily mean that their heart is in the right place. If anyone, is, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words. So not only did you offer this thing, and if, if, they're, if they're open to it, great, wonderful, leave that peace with them. But if they're not, then that peace is going to come back to you. They are going to be without peace. They're going to continue to live in their dysfunction. And if they're not welcome, if they don't welcome you, if they're not inviting you, if they're not listening to the things you're saying, if they're not, if you keep going to them for the sake of trying to force them into a, a new wholeness, but they're not having it, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet, right? And and this is an understanding that, that you're, they, at this time, they had this kind of thought process that if you carried, you know, as you're walking through the, the dusty towns, whatever, because they, they don't have roads at this time. It's a lot of villages, a lot of dirt that you're traveling in. You're wearing your sandals. Like if you carry that dirt with you, it's like it clings to your being. And so the way that you like, like uh, symbolically, but also kind of literally, you, you shake the dust off your feet as a way of saying, okay, I'm, I'm moving forward. I'm moving on. Like I did my thing. I offered the peace. I've tried to, to, to forgive. I've tried to invite you back in. I've tried to bring this component into the wholeness. I, I've tried to, to elevate the love of person over the religion. And yet they still don't want to have anything to do with it. They, they are the ones that are rejecting peace. If they are the ones that are, are rejecting peace and aren't listening to your words and haven't welcomed, then maybe it's time to, to, to move forward, right? This is the instructions 
of Jesus to the disciples. Yeah, move forward. Because ultimately, we cannot, you cannot force somebody into something that they don't want to do. Um, when it comes to this idea of religion, um, I just find it so interesting that so many people draw this hard line in the sand about about religion, about do's and don'ts, about here's the list of things you have to follow. And yet what we see Jesus continually doing is going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those rules are really, that's, that's kind of like the, the starting point. That's, that's never been the end goal. That, that's the place that you begin. This is, this idea of religion and this, this legalism, this is, this is what's needed for kids. This is what's needed for children. Here's the rules. Here's the list of things that I need you to do. Here's the list of things that you should not be doing. I need you to make sure that you clean up your room, that you're brushing your teeth, that you're, you know, washing your hair, that you're taking a bath. I, I'm trying to get you to develop these healthy habits. Also, I want you to get off your phone. I want you to, to not lie. I want you to, um, you know, be kind to others. I, I give my kids these lists of things that I do not want them to do because as much as I want to teach them healthy behaviors, I also want to attempt to limit or prohibit unhealthy behaviors because as a parent, my goal is to help move them forward, to help them to grow up, to help them to become mature, uh, semi-mature uh, adults that are functioning in the society that are hopefully living with this picture of, of a greater of a greater wholeness that we are, that they are a part of. So eventually they will come to the place in their lives where their parents will not be telling them what to do all the time, where they will be making the decisions. And the idea is that they will grow out of those systems of this legalistic rules that their parents have for the sake of their protection and growth, that they will step beyond that to the place of making their own decisions, that they will live, that they will be living a healthy life in a way that I don't have to or am not able to correct them, right? If I'm teaching my kids now, let's say something, let's talk about like the benefits of eating healthy. Like I, I want to teach them to eat healthy, but some of that teaching means that uh, I limit the amount of candy they can eat at Halloween because if they were left to themselves, they would eat until they threw up almost every day right? Eat the candy. They would end up with rotten teeth that now I'm paying for. It would, it would be a really bad situation for my pocketbook. But as they grow older, hopefully what they will see is that not eating the candy is actually a healthier choice. Not eating the, by eating the candy, it's actually quite unhealthy. And so therefore they don't need the rule. They don't need the law. They can live beyond that law, right? Uh, so this is what I think when it comes to religion and people who have the tendency to, bit, to be a bit legalistic is that it's, it's a faith that has never grown up. It's a faith that has never matured. It would be like my kids at 60 years old going, you know, like trying to tell others, like trying to tell other 60 year olds, oh, you can only have one piece of candy. <laughs> you can only you can have one, only one small fun, uh, Snickers fun size 
as a snack because if you get too many, you'll get cavities. Like they're still going. And then if they use that whole logic to, <laughs> to like shape the rest of their lives and then they, they chose their spouses by their ability to, <laughs> to follow the one, the one piece of candy rule or, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like at some point they have to move beyond that for the sake of, of growing up for the sake of maturing. And so what, and from my perspective, this legalism that people, and, and again, I totally get, um, when somebody goes through something, like I see this with, uh, with like, uh, AA type programs. Um, sometimes when, when people finally hit rock bottom and they get into like a, a, a step program like AA or celebrate recovery, which I'm all for all these things, but when you have, when, when you're in a place of chaos, what you need in that moment is you need all the boundaries, right? You need all the rules you need. Here's because you haven't been able to do this yourself. And so you have to have some sort of guide to follow. But what I've noticed is sometimes with like the AA guys, I've seen people go through there and it's been super helpful, but they never move beyond the legalism of it. And then they can like, they draw these hard boundaries, these hard lines in the sand, and then they can never get beyond it because they, they know they struggle with the freedom. So I feel like the same idea applies to a lot of religion. So when I think about religion, you know, when you think about this stuff and this idea of losing my religion, yeah, I, I think that's, what, what is the passage in Hebrews? I think it's Hebrews where it says, let us move beyond the elementary teachings of Christ. Let us move beyond these things and live with this deeper, this deeper knowing, this deeper sense of we're connected to something greater. So even the Bible itself says, hey, no, this is like, this is the starting point. We've made the, we've made the starting point, the end goal. And in doing so, we get trapped in this cycle of legalism. And then it becomes very difficult for us to expand and to create more wholeness by inviting more people into it because we're so worried about upholding the law, the religion, the whatever. So maybe, maybe it's time to let go of some of that, right? And we're not saying like throw the baby out with the bathwater here. We're saying that, that these, these parameters, these things, these rules, these laws, um, some of them are preventative. Some of them are proactive. Um, but I think ultimately they are simply the starting point. They are the starting point. And so we have to grow to the place in our relationship with God and our maturity with God that these are not the things that constrain us, that we can actually maybe see things from a more Christ-like perspective. And to see things from a Christ-like perspective is to opt out of religion. Uh, what did it say? Jesus, Jesus ushered in not a new religion, but a new humanism. Jesus was a whole maker. Yeah. Uh, throughout the New Testament, we see explicit contrast between mere interior religiosity that is fixed to laws and abstract ideas and the love that makes things whole, uniting humans to humans and humans to God. So it's, 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 I'm losing my religion for the sake of finding a freedom and finding a deeper connection to the wholeness of all things. And, and what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to let other people's religion or other people's 
spiritual immaturity or other people's lack of spirituality uh, be a sticking point for my growth. I'm going to offer my peace. I'm going to attempt uh, the wholeness. But if they are not willing to accept, if they are not willing to um, have a discussion, then I'm going to shake the dust from my feet. I'm going to move forward because I'm not going to get trapped in that. I'm not going to get stuck in that. I'm not going to allow the, the people, the person, the household that is not willing to accept my peace, like hold me hostage, right? If, if they're not willing to enter into the wholeness, if, this, if the whole thing is about creating this greater wholeness, um, what was the thing? Um, the gathering together, this, this, what is it? Uh, let's see. Faith in Christ should move us to be loving and free to create new holes and in doing so create a new future for the human person, for society and for the whole earthly community. Yeah. We want to move in that direction, but if somebody's not willing to move in that direction, then that's not really on me. I'm going to shake the dust off my feet. I want to be a part of creating a new future in which people are coming together and living with a new fullness of life and expanding their understanding of God and stepping into this, this deeper sense of who we are, this greater wholeness that we are a part of. Well, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot, but it's good. It's good. It's good. Maybe it's a lot to think through. So I'm, I'm, I'm losing my religion for sake of this new humanism, a greater sense of connection to the wholeness of being that is God that we are connected to and invited into. Why would I want to let petty things stand in front of that or prevent me from experiencing that? Why would I want to allow for people who are not willing to accept the peace to prevent me from moving into the place that I believe we've been called to be, to, to be into this shalom, into this wholeness of being. So there you have it, friends and family. This has been the Sneaky Emu, episode number 102, Losing My Religion. Trying to keep an eye on you, and I don't know if I can do it. Oh no, I said too much. Is it stuck in your head? Hopefully it will be. All right. Thank you guys so much for being here. Mom, thanks for listening. God bless, and we'll talk to you later. Bye.